There's a cave in, a, in the Guatemalan jungle that has a shallow stream running through it and a high waterfall at the end. As a 20-year-old young adult, I entered this cave one hot afternoon, and it changed me forever. I had not thought it very risky to travel alone the length of Guatemala the summer of 1988. I had my backpack and my water bottle and was perfectly content to jostle for hours in old American school buses to get from place to place. I shared hotel rooms and tents with newfound friends. I ate in people's homes and even hitchhiked when I couldn't catch a bus. These were my carefree, almost hippie days. (laughs) And you should have seen how much more hair I had. (laughs) But until that day in that cave, I had never really considered myself a risk taker, nor had I fully considered the consequences of being mortal. This cave in the Paten region of Guatemala is famous for its size, shape, and that it's accessible. The morning of my trip to it, I joined two other American young adults who were also staying in a nearby hotel. Our Guatemalan guide quietly led us off for the hour-long trek to the cave. Our guide got us there with no trouble at all, and we were all quite sweaty from the jungle heat. At the mouth of the cave, we could feel a cool breeze that was coming out of it from deep inside the earth. It beckoned us in, all of us but our guide. He would not budge from the cave's mouth and told us that he would wait for us there. Having come dressed for the watery trip into the cave, the three of us began to make our way into the darkness Camping headlight lamps as we know them, you know the kind that you have on your forehead, they'd not really been invented or were not popular yet, so we carried our flashlights in our mouths as we half swam, half crawled along. There was a narrow channel through which the stream went, and it would drop out from under you, and you would have to swim across small pools. As we went on, the air around us was cool, and it was pitch black in there. Occasionally, we would shine our flashlights up, and we could see that the ceiling above us was getting higher and higher as we went deeper and deeper into the cave. And then we began to hear the waterfall, faint at first, and then louder and stronger. The map that we had studied at the cave's mouth told us that a large room and a waterfall awaited us at the end of our half-hour swim-slash-crawl. But we were not prepared for the size of the room or the height of the waterfall. A few yards from the falls, we got out of the stream and sat on the bank. Our lights showed us a room so big that this church building would fit in it easily, steeple and all, and our lights showed us the waterfall, tall and complete with a large pool at its base. 
We knew that many other explorers before us had jumped off this waterfall into the pool and swum to shore. We also knew that many other people had been warned that the stream, now really much more of a river, would disappear again under the stone at the edge of the pool. And we each knew that we wanted to try jumping ourselves, jumping in complete darkness. I did not go first. (laughs) Having seen the other fellow in our group successfully make the jump and swim to shore, I screwed up my courage and took my place at the top of the falls, and then it happened My heart began pounding so hard that I could not hear anything else, not even the waterfall. My knees felt like jelly when my companions turned off their flashlights and I was left in complete darkness. Seconds turned into hours as I contemplated my leap. In a second, I was in the pool of water, I don't know how I had gotten myself over the edge, but I had, and there I was, clear and cold and submerged and grateful. When I surfaced, the flashlights were on again, and I swam easily to shore. I had done this risky thing, but I would never be the same again. We all emerged safely from the cave. I emerged a new man. We all take risks in our lives. Some of these risks have been physical, like my waterfall jump. Some of these risks have been emotional, like learning to love someone or trusting a friend. All of these risks have changed us, making us the people that we are today. Whether we consider ourselves risk-takers or not, life demands risk. It demands change. And faith is one of the ways that we learn to make meaning out of the risks that we face. It may seem foolish foolish of me to have jumped in that cave more than 25 years ago, but that baptism into adulthood that that jump gave me is still with me today. What was a thrilling moment for my companions was a holy moment for me, a moment when I realized in an instant that my life was precious and fragile and finite. As my body plunged into that pool, I realized that it was up to me to do something with my life. I realized that this would be just the first of many significant risks I would take, and that was the way it was supposed to be. My guess is that if you try, you can think of a time when you had such a realization too. We all have moments when the old way of being is stripped away and the path ahead becomes clear. We have moments when what we have been doing for so long no longer works, and we are forced to make a change. We all have moments when something strong and beautiful and transformative wakes us up to our lives again. These are holy moments. These are rites of passage. These are awakenings to what is next. 
the God that I believe in, continually calls me to be more than I am. The God I believe in calls me through my fears and past them to a life that is more daring than I would have chosen for myself. However you see it, the holy will find a way to make you take risks if you are open to it. These risks will keep you from falling into destructive patterns and habits. These risks will thrust you into the clear, cool waters of change and growth. Union analyst Marion Woodman puts it this way. She says, The hand of Sophia sometimes takes me by the scruff of my neck and the seat of my pants and speaks not that way, but this way. And my rebel has learned the shriveling of attempting to deny my destiny. It has also learned the power of surrendering to it. Sacrifice releases transformation. Painful as those surrenders have been, she says, each gave me new eyes, new hope, new faith, new love. She continues, When I am awakened, I shout Goethe's lines to the noble pine in my garden. I say to it, I praise what is truly alive, what longs to be burned to death. And so long as you haven't experienced this, to die and so to grow, you are only a troubled guest on the dark earth. I praise what is truly alive, what longs to be burned to death. The German poet and philosopher Goethe's words call us to live like a phoenix, radiant and powerful, but fully expecting our own fiery death and resurrection. He says, And so long as you haven't experienced this, to die and so to grow, you are only a troubled guest on this dark earth. Your life is not static. Your life will never be complete. You are not here to take up space or to waste time. Life is not something for you to shield yourself from. It is something to be embraced, trembling, of course, but with, great, with a great deal of uncertainty, but embraced wholeheartedly. What risks are you taking? Where in your life have you stayed in the shallow end of the pool too long? What is holding you back from leaping off a waterfall in a lightless cave? Who around you can teach you to swim? Some of you have remarked that I seem better this second year at First Parish in Concord. And it is true. I am better. (laughs) Last year was a rough one for me, and I suspect that it was a rough one for a bunch of you as well. And there are things that are currently unfolding that will make this year tough, too. 
The risk I took in coming to this church is one of the most frightening things I have ever done. Take it as a compliment. (laughs) I gave up a congregation that I was very comfortable with to come to one twice its size and with a different culture. I gave up a home I loved and a neighborhood that sustained me to live in the very quiet Metro West suburbs. (laughs) I left behind dear friends, family, really, to try to make connections in a new place. Last winter, I found myself as depressed as I have ever been in my life. I do not tell you any of this to make you want to take care of me. I know that transitions can be hard. I also know that it is my job to seek out support when I am struggling. Some of you have remarked that I seem better this year at First Parish, and it is true. It is true because we didn't give up on each other, you and me. We got through last winter, and we'll get through this one too. The thing to realize about risk is that it usually feels like something we take all alone, but we are in fact never alone. Each and every risk I've taken in my life, wise or foolish, has been supported by those around me. I never would have jumped off that waterfall in that dark cave if I had been there alone. I would never have considered ministry without encouragement. I would never have followed my call to Concord without the delightful prospect of being in a new community with all of you. It is my family and my friends and my colleagues that help me take those risks. It is this church's lay leaders that help me lead as well as I can while I'm here. None of us ever takes risks alone, even though it may feel like we do. We are all held by something so much very larger than our own small selves. Ministers talk a lot about a sense of calling. For us, it's usually a calling to serve God in some way or to build religious community. But we are not the only ones who experience a sense of call. It can happen to anyone and everyone. It can happen to you. The trick is to remain open to the calling. When asked by an interviewer, how do we learn to hear Rabbi Aidan Steinsaltz replied, We don't learn to hear. The only thing that we can really learn is that something may happen, and when it comes, listen. In the first revelation, he says to Moses, Moses was not sure what had happened. He has to be given some kind of sign. There's an immediate call to see a sign, the burning bush, just in order to come close, which is again the same thing. It is like knocking on a door, like feeling a hand on your shoulder. It is not itself a message, he says, but a kind of awakening. 
Sometimes the only thing to be learned by this is when the call comes, jump. Flying, floating, swimming, leaping. Let us jump, let us risk, let us live. So be it. Amen.